In the second episode of Pandemic Policy, our hosts today, Sanjana Krishna, talks to Dr. Paulina Harmea on the importance of COVID policies and renewable energy. Living in the 21st century, many of us are used to incorporating several time-saving products and energy sources into our daily routines, often at the cost of the environment. But it's so important, if not necessary, to be mindful of our carbon footprints generated from not reusing driving lots, increasing electricity consumption, and heating and cooling in one's home. In this podcast episode, we will talk to expert Dr. Harmio about the intersection of new environmental policies and changes related to renewable energy as a result of COVID-19. But first, let's address renewable energy and how COVID has affected it. Renewable energy has benefits in all avenues of interest in cost and efficiency, to name a few. According to Business Insider, the cost of solar and wind in 2017 was $10 to $15 per megawatt hour less expensive than gas and $50 per megawatt hour less expensive than coal. To put these numbers into perspective, that's about 75% of the cost of gas and 50% of the cost of coal for a given time period. The price per megawatt hour of solar has dropped drastically and as of 2017 was less than 15% of the average cost in 2009. Furthermore, you may have heard that renewable energy is eco-friendly and clean, but how much so? According to the Union of Concerned Scientists published article on the benefits of renewable energy use, the renewable energy sector, especially after manufacturing, does not emit CO2 or greenhouse gases that have and will cause severe consequences to humans and wildlife by altering air quality and global temperatures. By burning natural gas, one emits up to 28 times more pounds of CO2 equivalent per kilowatt hour than solar power and up to 100 times more pounds of CO2 equivalent than wind power. And with coal, these numbers are 51 and 180 respectively. An easy way to visualize one kilowatt hour is one kilowatt of power in the form of say several 10 standard of say 10 100 watt standard light bulbs, each running for an hour. Essentially by installing solar panels to replace burning natural gas for electricity, you can run 28 times the number of light bulbs and still emit the same amount of CO2. And by installing solar panels to replace burning coal for, for electricity, you can run 51 times the number of light bulbs for a given time period and still emit the same amount of CO2 equivalent. In cost and eco-friendliness, solar and wind power are clearly leading the pack. One can reduce um, greenhouse gas emissions at a lower cost, so why not look into the possibility of switching to solar or wind? Even with all these benefits, solar still only makes up 1.8% of energy produced in the US. So now that we have established the benefits of renewable energy, let's address environmental policy and the COVID-19 pandemic. As a result of COVID, priorities have shifted to healthcare and rightly so. 
Unfortunately, the pandemic has also caused severe unemployment, and one of the industries that was hard hit was renewable energy. According to Solar Energy Industries Association, about a quarter million people are employed in solar, and it has created tens of billions of dollars in investments. Unfortunately, half of all these employees have been laid off as of June. COVID has also caused significant challenges in the wind energy sector, especially in the second quarter. According to the American Wind Energy Association, many new wind projects that were underway were halted, canceled, or postponed due to a slowdown of the supply chain, which creates wind turbines and essential equipment. However, the industry is trying to push forward and move, is moving strong with 40 new projects as part of the American Wind Project Association. Ultimately, there are some things that are outside one's realm of direct control, but each individual has the power to influence the environmental policies in one state. If you care deeply about this issue, you should let your representatives know what you care about. A simple phone call to your representative explaining that you value renewable energy can go a long way because an elected official will prioritize the voters' needs and concerns. Policy is one of the most effective ways to create change. So to learn about the intersection of COVID, environmental policy, and renewable energy, I reached out to Dr. Haramio for an interview. Dr. Paulina Haramio, PhD from Carnegie Mellon University, is an expert in energy systems analysis and sustainability. She's a professor in the Department of Engineering and Public Policy at Carnegie Mellon University. In 2020, she was the recipient of a Carnegie Fellowship to pursue her recent research and has received several other accolades, honors, and grants. Dr. Haramio is the co director of the Green Design Institute and is passionate about supporting efforts to develop sustainable energy systems in the global south. Hello, Dr. Haramio. So based on several articles, some people believe renewable energy is becoming more widely valued and implemented, while others think that renewable energy is getting shut down and postponed or canceled, especially by the administration and gas and oil are the only energy industries receiving economic support and subsidies. What do you feel is the impact of COVID on renewable energy corporations? Um, so there's several parts to that question. I think we're definitely seeing that the administration is using some of the relief funding to support um, fossil fuel companies that are struggling and that is consistent with their political positions since before COVID. Um, I think that all companies and including renewable energy companies are suffering um, in terms of supply chain disruption. So we are seeing some uh, delays of deployment of or of construction of renewable energy projects. Some of that is economics, but some of that is also um, the supply chains are being disrupted globally. And so it's just making it harder to get the materials. And like most wind turbines are imported, for example, most solar panels are also imported. So the supply chain issues are, are probably a big component of, of the reasons for why we're seeing delays 
um, in, in the construction of the projects. Um, I think long-term prices of wind and solar resources, they have just decreased so dramatically um, that I think there is the, the momentum, like they, they are now competitive with, with some, of the, some of the fossil fuels. And I think the momentum is there uh, for that trend to continue. Um, they, I mean, there's probably, I think, still a need for, for continuation of the policy supports that, that have existed in the US for these projects. Um, but I, I think the trend is that renewable will, will continue growing. Um, I, 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 I think that's what we'll be seeing long-term, even if we see like a, a, a decrease short-term because of all of these, all of these delays. Um, in terms of how the COVID um, may be showing renewables to be more valuable, or I'm not sure that COVID is the reason that we're seeing those uh, resources being more valued. Um, they, I do think that from a grid operator's perspective, they, there have been some interesting behaviors with demand of electricity that can help, for example, with integration of renewable resources. So in California, um, they have a lot of rooftop solar PV in houses, but people are away from home in the middle of the day when most of the solar is being produced. So all of that production is being, has to go into the grid, which then has implications for how the grid operator has to dispatch all of the other resources. With people being at home, working from home, being at home during the daytime, they, they've seen that they can use the solar resource for their own consumption. So it decreases the amount of solar that the grid has to balance. And so that has implications for, for the operations of the grid, but who knows if post COVID, we, people will remain at home, working from home and those changes we've seen are gonna remain post COVID. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Jaramillo, that definitely, um, assures us that renewable energy is definitely something that's important and something that should be continued for the long term. Um, so the next question is, um, so many articles and public forums commonly say that COVID is advantageous for the environment because people aren't driving as much. However, now and for the long term, many articles say that the COVID pandemic will cause a halt for public transportation and a possibly permanent rollback of several environmental laws and measures. Um, for example, New York stopped its ban on plastic bags. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on this issue? And do you believe that um, this is actually going to cause a permanent impact? And also, do you know of any platforms that could spread the awareness on any environmental issues or policies? Um, okay, so again, several, several um, issues. We have definitely seen changes in air quality post-COVID in cities around the world. Um, transportation emissions are a big source of air pollution in many parts in the world of the world, including the US, and people are driving less. 
um, they're staying home and driving less. So the peak uh, traffic is not as bad, which means emissions have decreased. How permanent is that change? It's not clear. By the way, there was an article uh, in the National Bureau of Economic Research, a working paper that showed that there has been a decrease in mortality associated with air pollution post-COVID. Now, that benefit does not make up for the 150,000 deaths associated with COVID, but we have seen some, like there is evidence to support that we've seen changes in air quality and its impact. Whether that will remain, who knows? Will people be staying home um, and not driving post this? I'm not sure. Um, I think the point you make about public transport, I think a big concern with public transport is um, it, it's called in the, in the energy sector, in the utilities, they call it the um, utility uh, spiral where revenues are decreasing, right? And these, these transportation agencies are public transportation agencies. They require the revenue to continue operating. And so the death spiral, right? As revenue decreases, um, it's harder to, they're gonna have to start making cuts on services. And so that can have implications long-term about the availability of transport services. So I think that is another a big, a big concern. The other concern I think is you've, you've been hearing about uh, flat, like people moving from urban areas to the suburbs as a result of the pandemic. The idea that um, maybe they want to be further away from the city, they have more space. And that, I, like in recent years, we've seen a trend for reurbanization, and there are a lot of benefits to density and reurbanization. And so a move again to the suburbs would probably lead to eventual increase in driving demand and every all, all of the other environmental impacts associated with um, with urban sprawl. Uh, so that I, like so I, I think there's just like with everything with COVID, there's just so much uncertainty. Um, about what the long-term implications will be in terms of, of the environment. For the public transportation policies, it's definitely important to keep in mind that there are some benefits and some disadvantages of um, the new mindset as a result of COVID. As solar energy is now one of the cheapest forms of energy, um, similar to other forms of renewable energy like wind power, what steps or processes do you suggest people take to use solar panels in their homes? And how can the listeners of this podcast implement more sustainable behaviors in their daily lives? Um, so, I mean, the solar deployment of solar panels uh, at home really depends on do you own your house or do you rent? Because if you rent, that's going to be harder. But if you own your house, do you have the roof space for it? Um, is the system like, cause not, you can't, if you have a flat roof, you can't have installation. Um, it also very depends on the policies for net metering. So the only reason right now rooftop solar makes economic sense for a household in Pennsylvania is because Pennsylvania has net metering rules, whereas the utility has to pay for the electricity generated with the PV system at the 
at the same tariff they sell the electricity to the customer. Uh, and so that really is critical to the currently critical to the economic viability of uh, of the PV system. So I, I don't I don't know that there's a you also have to be able to either cover the initial capital cost of the system, although these systems can now be leased. There's companies that work with through leases or uh, loans where you don't have to do any down payment, really. Um, so there, there is financing options as well, but it really does depend. If you're a student living in the dorms, you don't have many choices there. Uh, whereas if you are a homeowner um, and you have good credit, then there might be more options. Overall, in terms of sustainable behavior, um, they, like, I don't think that COVID necessarily changes what we need to do. It just, we still need to try to um, improve our, reduce our consumption of energy, improve the efficiency. And so I don't know why anyone would still be using incandescent light bulbs wherever they're living. Um, those are small things, but that have, like if you can install LEDs, that's really like 60 watts versus five watts. It's a big difference, right? Driving less, um, using, I mean, so the same things, that using public transport when possible, um, if possible. So I think those are remain the same kind of things uh, that you were worried about before. Yes, that definitely makes sense. And um, that kind of leads us into our last question. So is there any other thoughts or advice you have for the listeners of this podcast in terms of um, any actions they can take to learn more about um, the environmental impacts of COVID or not necessarily of COVID and just renewable energy and sustainability in general? Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of websites and um, environmental um, news organizations that are uh, worth uh, reading um, in in Allegheny County, for example, the uh, public radio station has the has a program called the Allegheny Front that deals with environmental issues in the county. I did have another idea for what people can do in terms of right now in their daily life. Um, you know, go, like Congress is is now dealing with the with the like the financial support that they want to provide to help people manage the situation. The recession is like the, the economic crisis that we're seeing. It's not gonna. We're not gonna recover right away, right? And so, government will have to think long term about what kind of interventions they will have to deploy to continue to support the economic recovery. Um, and that may include um, increasing infrastructure investments, which the country needs infrastructure investments, and increasing them so that they are climate resilient and climate friendly. And so, one thing that your listeners can do is. Make sure that their elected officials know that this is a priority for them. And so contact your elected officials and advocate for uh, investments in climate-friendly infrastructure as part of the economic recovery package. And then obviously voting in November. Um, those are things that can, they can do in, pre in the pretty immediate term. Yes. And 
We really look forward to hearing um, what the listeners of this podcast have as responses to these insights. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. For more information on the resources referenced in this podcast, please visit the website. Thanks.